When I was a kid, I used to get scared sometimes at night, and so I had a method for handling that. I thought it through, and I figured that in the middle of the night, when everybody's in bed and I hear creepy crawlies or something, something go bump in the night, my plan was, was to get under those covers so that none of my body is visible. Because, you know, that's important when you're trying to hide from, from scary things. All the way up, and then the second part of my strategy was to lay completely still. Because I figured, even if there was a boogeyman, they never looked there. They never looked under the covers. And I wasn't moving, so there's no possible way that they would find me under those covers. I realize that's a little silly. Anybody relate to that story? Anybody did that? Maybe you're still doing that now. As adults, it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> we lock the door, people. That's what, that's what happens now. But it's crazy that uh, the hardest part of that, I think, for me, wasn't the covers. It was staying completely still. I kind of fidget. Anybody in here fidget? You with me? Anybody fidget a little bit? It, it's a little bit hard. You're trying to stay still and you're, you're fidgety. Back, we have a whole punishment that we give to kids when they misbehave, right? We put them into what's called time out. I got to tell you, when I was a kid, I would have much preferred a spanking than the time out. Anybody with me? Come on. I mean, you're going to sit there for five minutes and not say anything. You know how big my mouth, you know what I'm saying? Not to say anything, to sit there for five minutes, I'll take the spanking. I know that seems weird and twisted, but that give me the spanking any day. But being still, if you think about it, is one of the harder things that, that we have to do in life. Being still seems so inactive. It, it seems passive. Sitting there just feels like we're not getting anything done. Well, we're in this series, as Andrew mentioned, called the Red Letter Challenge, and we're going to start 40 days today. And in this challenge, we're hoping to spend some time in Jesus' words. And you know what? That's going to require being still sometimes, listening to his words, opening the scriptures. It's going to take some time. And so in this series, we're hoping to re-engage all of our, our, our hunger and thirst for his righteousness, to, to really hear the words of Jesus, and more important than all that is to put them into practice, to actually put his words into practice. Now, if you have a Bible or a device, I encourage you to find that, because we're going to be using that today, and you're going to be using that during this series, and I encourage you to do that. If you don't have your own Bible or device, you need to grab one. If you need some help finding one, I'd be happy to help you with that. But if you look at the first four books of the New Testament section of the Bible, we call those the Gospels, the four Gospels. And in the Gospels, what we see is the biographies of Jesus. They're the stories of Jesus, his, his birth and his, his adolescence and then his ministry. And in those four books, we have a lot of words of Jesus that are quoted. And publishers back in the late 1800s thought it would be a great idea to bring special emphasis on the words of Jesus. And so they started printing the words of Jesus in red ink. And that kind of helps clue us in to those are the direct quotes of Jesus. 
And so this series, we're going to be focusing on those words, but again, not just listening to them, but put them into practice. And we said this last week, that I really believe, and I hope you believe that with me, that when we begin to put Jesus' words into action, it will change, I think, modern culture's view of Christians and Christianity in the church. I really feel like it'll change the narrative so that when people see us, they see the teachings of Jesus lived out. And I believe that's going to change a whole perception maybe of our culture toward the church and of Jesus. Instead of, instead of maybe looking at Christians and saying, oh, they're, they're bigoted or they're cold or they're legalist or they're homophobic, that they would actually see the people of Jesus as being loving, kind, gentle. Wouldn't that be so much better? Aren't people drawn to that? In the first century, people were drawn to Jesus. Even people that would be considered sinful and they'd be in that bad category. They were drawn to Jesus because he loved them. He was gentle and he showed patience. What if we as a church could do that? I think we can. We can begin to change the narrative about Christianity and the church and Christ followers because we hear the words of Jesus and we put them into practice. So that's what we're doing with this Red Letter Challenge. We are talking about those five priorities of Jesus. We talk, we're going to talk about today being... But there's five priorities as you read the, 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 the teaching of Jesus, being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going. And today we're going to talk about the idea of hanging with Jesus, being with him, being in his presence, being in relationship with him. That when we're called to follow Jesus, we're not called into a, a lifeless, cold set of platitudes or, or to sit in a pew and face forward and listen to a lecture. We're called to follow him into this amazing journey of faith and so we get to be with him and that's what we're talking about today my name is pastor ben here with dallas just so glad that you've made it today to hang out with us to be part of the church family we do this on sunday like christ followers all over the globe do and we gather and we make a point of the first day of the week gathering to lift up the name of jesus because of many of us have have come to understand that many many years ago jesus of nazareth was born in a miraculous way lived a perfect life, died on a cross for you and I's sins, but he didn't stay there. He rose from the dead, and guess what day that was? On a Sunday. And that day changed human history forever. And that's why we gather together like this on Sundays, to lift up the name of Jesus, to worship. We're praying together. We're hearing from his word. We're going to encourage one another because we are called to live the best life ever, and that's by being close to Jesus and putting his words into practice. So let's pause for a moment pray and get started with today's message being. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and faithfulness to us. Your mercies are new every morning. Thank you so much for the words of your son, Jesus, that are recorded for us. Father, empower us to have the courage to not only hear your words through your son, Jesus, but to put them into action and so change the narrative in our culture and that people would be drawn to your love and your mercy and grace that are displayed through us, your followers in your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Scripture is pretty clear that if you want to go the distance in this life, if you want to go the distance, especially following Jesus, you got to be near him. you got to hear his words and put them into practice. You need to actually have a proximity to Jesus as our Savior. And we're, we're supposed to keep our eyes on him. There's lots of distractions in this world that we're in. I think this pandemic and last year really showed us how many distractions there are all around us. The noise never stops. But in Scripture, we're called to pay attention to Jesus. 
In fact, we're told to keep our eyes and our heart focused on him so that we can run the race and finish it well. And really, truth be told, to live that abundant life that he promises for us. It's not a burden. It's a beautiful thing that we get to live that life that Jesus called us to. And it requires putting our attention on Jesus and none other. Focusing on Jesus matters. If you've ever watched any rowing on TV, if you ever watch rowing, it's kind of an old school sport. It involves a really narrow, generally a wood boat, I think. Maybe it's fiberglass now, but it's generally a really narrow wood boat. A lot of the Ivy League schools still do this, you know, like the Harvards and the Yales and schools like that on the East Coast. Very important, this, this whole rowing thing. There's bragging rights and all that sort of thing. But they, they, they get in these really narrow boats, and, and they're filled with rowers. You've seen probably these people sitting and doing this sort of thing. We have exercise machines that do that. I think they're torture devices. But anyway, so you see these people, and they're all facing a direction. But you'll notice which direction are the rowers facing. Are they facing the finish line, or are they facing something else? They're facing backwards. And you're thinking, well, how in the world are they going to get to the finish line if they're faced the wrong way? I mean, anybody knows that, right? But they are very well trained, and their movements are very orchestrated, and their focus is on a person who sits at the end of the boat called the coxswain. And what the coxswain does is he's watching for direction, and he's keeping his eye on where people are at over here in their other boats, and his real focus is on that finish line. And so for a team to win, for a team to have victory in the race, they've got to keep their eyes on the coxswain so that they can row to the right spot, so they can win that race. Now you probably see where I'm going with that. In Scripture, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are called to keep our eyes and our focus not on the coxswain, but on the Savior, Jesus. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, if you're familiar with Hebrews chapter, or the Hebrews book in the New Testament, that passage tells us that we're to keep our eyes focused on the author and perfecter of our faith, who is Jesus. That if we're going to have success in living this abundant life that we're called to, if we're going to have success finishing the race, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that means we actually have to be with him, to be close to him in the boat, if you will, and to keep our eyes on him. And here's where we have a, a trouble with this. Our modern culture is moving so fast, and information is coming at us so fast, that the idea of setting aside a significant amount of our day or our time to just be with Jesus seems counterproductive. Seems like, wow, we're wasting time. Let's get action. Let's get some action going on. Many of us are action-oriented people, and I get that. But we're called to spend time focusing on Jesus, and that requires us to spend time in focus, and that can be so hard in our modern, fast-paced culture. In John chapter 8, if you've got your Bible or device handy, look at John chapter 8. I'm going to be reading it here on my device. But in John chapter 8, Jesus speaks about being the light of the world. And that's a really important scripture. If you've not read that, I encourage you to read that. Him being the light of the world. But in John chapter 8, he also speaks about bringing life to a dead world. And he finishes chapter 8 with verse 31 and 32, close, close by there. 
And he, and he brings us into something else that's super, super important on keeping our eyes on him. In John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had, who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many have heard that passage before? You will know the truth and truth. Well, you, you, that's great. But did you catch the phrase right before that? You see, I think we all want to have that freedom, to be set free by Jesus. But there's a whole statement before that that we really need to key into. And that's that first one. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, for us, we could say that, extrapolate, for us, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Abide. Now that's kind of an odd word, isn't it? We don't really... We don't really use that too often. We don't say, hey, let's go to lunch. Would you abide with me while I take you to Chipotle today? We don't say abide a whole lot. But here we're told to abide, whatever that means, abide in Jesus' word. And that is the mark of a disciple. And then we will be set free. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, he helps us unpack that a little further a few chapters later. So if you'll, if you'll grab your Bible again and go just a few more chapters later to John 15. And in John 15, Jesus talks about grapevines. And he'll talk about how you produce fruit. And we know all about grapevines around the Northwest. We know that we're in the New Burgundy. And so we see grapevines right now, they're not doing a whole lot. They look kind of dead. But eventually in March and April, we'll see buds happening. But what happens is those buds that will produce wine grapes, they're not going to be able to do that without being connected to that ugly stump that sticks into the ground we call the root, the rootstock. And so Jesus is going to use that metaphor in talking about how we're going to walk through life and have that abundant life and, and produce fruit. He's going to use that metaphor. Now here's what I want you to, to, to see, and I promise I'll get to the scriptures, but hold on. Jesus is going to use the word abide, that weird word we just talked about. He's going to use it 10 times in 11 verses. 10 times in 11 verses. So when Jesus repeats something, it's kind of important, right? Now, you may be smarter than me, but I'm a little, a little thick-headed sometimes, and I need repetition. Maybe you're like me. You need a little more repetition to get through that cranium you got. And when we see repetition in Scripture, that should be a clue. This is important. Jesus uses the word abide. How many times? Ten times in 11 verses. The key to finishing strong, the key to the abundant life, the key to living out his words is to stay close to him, and we will start to bear fruit. Now, we're not going to bear wine grapes, okay? We're going to bear fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Couldn't we use a little bit more of that in our world right now? Man, we could use some of that in 2021. That's the kind of fruit that's going to happen when we, weird word again, abide in Jesus. Abide in him. We remain close to him. Some of your English translations might say remain instead of abide. 
remain in him. It's this old school word abide that we got to talk about, right? Shows up all these times. What does it mean? Well, the Greek word is meno. And that can mean a number of different things by context. But meno generally means, and you'll see what I mean, sometimes Greek words can be, can be translated different ways depending on how they're used. English is not so different than that, maybe. But meno in the Greek language could be translated, and this translated in the scripture as remaining in place. Okay, some of us, that's hard to do. Remain in place. How about to tarry a while? We don't use those words anymore either. Tarry a while, to hang out for a while, loiter, if we want to use modern terms, to loiter with Jesus. That's what I'm calling you to do today. Tarry a while, not depart. That's another way that that word is translated. Held. Now that's a cool one, isn't it? That we're held in Jesus' presence. That we continue to be present with him or even wait. That the word could mean wait. To abide in me, to wait in me, to remain in me, to be held close to me. And when you do that, fruit begins to happen in your life. Listen to John 15. You're like, when is he going to actually read the scriptures? Okay, John chapter 15. Let's start with verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. And that sounds good. Your joy may be full. I, I, I want some of that today. Your joy may be full. Well, look at how many times that, that idea of abiding, being held, being close to him, being in close proximity. And you may be thinking, Ben, that sounds great. I don't know how to do that. How, how, do, how do we do that? How do we, how do we abide? How do we stay close to him? How do we do this abiding, remaining thing? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. How do, we, how do we do that? Well, well last week we learned, as, as we ended the, the, the scriptures last week, we talked about Matthew chapter 7, which is the end of the, great, uh, of the greatest sermon ever recorded. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of that sermon, Jesus uses kind of a, a story about sand and rock and about building on sand and rock, which kind of sounded a little bit similar to the book I read when I was a kid, The Three Little Pigs. And so we, it wasn't, that's not the same story, but it's kind of similar where, where the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon of all, Jesus channels some three little pigs and he says, look, if you're going to have the best life ever, if you're going to live my life, the, the life that I've called for you to do, you're going to need to build your house on the rock. And to do that, you hear my words and you put them into practice. The person who doesn't hear my words and puts them into practice is the person who, who would build their house, their whole life, on sand. So when the storms and everything come, it just knocks that building right down. That's not the kind of life God calls us to. That's not the kind of life Jesus wants for you. He wants your life built on the rock. So that when the storms of life come, when, when things like disease and, 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 and hurt relationships and betrayal and all those things that happen to us come into our life, we are held secure because we've listened to his words and put them 
into practice. That's part of what abiding is all about, is hearing and putting into practice what we know Jesus said to be true. Kind of like when Jesus said, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. When you see your neighbor who has a need, maybe they're elderly, and they could use some help uh, taking out some, some trash or, 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 or doing some leaf work. Or, or That is what he's talking about. Those little acts of kindness in Jesus' name make a huge difference. It's like you've just built a bridge into somebody's world because you heard Jesus' words and you put them into practice. And so that's how we begin to abide in him. That's how we remain close. And, and look, memorizing his word is great. I highly recommend that. Some of you that you're younger this morning, it's easier to memorize when you're younger. I'm not so sure. But here's the deal. A lot of adults, okay, I'll just speak as an adult. I are an adult. I hear adults say, I can't, I can't memorize. But then I'll, I'll hear them repeat a whole song they just heard on the radio. So, can adults memorize stuff? Yes. And maybe you have to do that with worship music. That's a great way to do that. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. It's who he is. You can memorize his words. But it's not just about memorizing. It's about doing. In Christian culture, I don't know what it is, but we've gotten really good at having lots of product. You ever notice that? We have all kinds of product. We have bookstores. We have our own bookstores. We have radio stations. We have our own radio stations. We have all kinds of Jesus stuff, lots of God info. Before the whole pandemic, there were conferences and, and seminars and small group studies. We have lots of God info. It's great to get God info. It's great to memorize scripture, but you got to put it into practice in small ways. That's how we begin to abide. I love this story, and this is something I heard uh, a while back, and it's, uh, if you were, if you're a parent or grandparent in this room, okay, and maybe you kids can, can relate to this command that you might get from a parent or grandparent, they would say, hey, go clean your room. Uh, it seems like a clear thing, go clean your room. Some of you, that's what you need to do when you get home today, go clean your room. But what if your parent or grandparent tells you to go to clean your room, and, uh, and they go away for maybe a couple hours, they had to do something, they come back, and, uh, and they say, well, how's it coming? And they realize you haven't cleaned the room yet. And here's your response to them. Well, no, I, I haven't cleaned the room, but you know what I did? I, I did a word study on word, oh, room cleaning. And I, did, I did all this Greek and Hebrew word study on how to, how, to, how to clean a room and what the proper technique is. And you're like, no, I wanted you to clean your room. Clean your room. And you're like, okay, I'll do that. I get that. Maybe you didn't want me to study it in the original Greek. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll listen to what you say. So you go back for a couple hours, you see where this is going. They come back and you still haven't cleaned your room. And so they ask, what's going on? Why didn't you clean your room? Well, what we did was we formed some small groups. And then we got around and we had some coffee. And we talked all about what it would be like to have a clean room. And how great that would be. And you're like, no! I want you to clean your room. Okay, that's a dumb story, right? The point is... We've gotten real good at putting Jesus' words on our, on our T-shirts. We've got them on our bumper stickers. But we've got to put them into practice. That's a key component to what it's like to abide in Jesus. And here's the deal. I realize that some of us, we have a, a tough time being with Jesus. We have a tough time pausing in our day and spending time with Jesus. Because for some of us, some of us are, are maybe better at it than others. Some of you are better at being. 
You're better at being more contemplative. You're you're better at maybe reading all day with a a candle burning and some incense burning, and you can read all day, eight or nine hours, and nobody's bothering you. You're very good at at, at being able to to lean into that. Others of us, we got to get stuff done. And we are um, almost obsessive about marking stuff off of a list. Some of us are better at being. Some of us are better at doing. Who's better at being in this room? Who's, who can admit you're, pre- you're pretty good at being? You can rest pretty well. Some of you are pretty good at it. It's okay. It's not like, come on, it's okay. How many are, are, are kind of in that doer category? You're in the doer category. Okay. We'll, we'll form a support group later after this. We, we struggle. See, doing you can measure. Right? You, doing, you can measure stuff. I, I did these 10 things. I mean, think about this. When's the last time, just everybody in this room now, everybody online, listen. When was the last time you took some time off and you did nothing? Was it recent? Maybe like four or five hours? You literally did nothing productive. But then you see somebody later, and what do they ask you? What would you do today? And you're immediately guilty. <laughs> you're guilty. Now you feel like you got to come up with something. Well, I uh, complicated, uh, complicated, uh, I don't know what I did. I I did nothing all day. You almost feel guilty saying you did nothing. But I'm telling you, there's a point where we need to embrace the idea of just being with Jesus. And that means prayer, uh, fasting. My wife and I are going through a period of fasting right now. And, And every time we do this, we are brought closer to Jesus. Because what happens is every time we would have eaten, our stomach grumbles and we're reminded that there is spiritual food, not just physical food. See, spending time with Jesus can feel like you're not getting stuff done. But I'm telling you that spending time with Jesus is so valuable, it, in, it informs everything that you will eventually do for him. You are in relationship with Jesus, and that involves pausing taking time. And I'm not saying, I'm not advocating doing nothing all day. What I'm saying is you need to spend some time. It doesn't have to be four hours. It could be four minutes where you're saying, God, I'm not very good at praying, but today's your day. I'm thankful that I'm alive today, and maybe you can do something through me today. That could be the length of your prayer tomorrow. I don't know this, but you need to spend time just being with Jesus, because here's the deal. If we can't trust Jesus in the calm of his presence, we won't be able to trust him in the pursuit of purpose, of his purpose. See, if we can't trust him in those moments of quiet, in those moments of rest, we're not going to be able to trust him when things start flying our way, when things start coming at us. We've got to have spent the time with him so that we are ready for whatever the world throws at us. I'm telling you, many of us in this room have discovered this. It's so important to spend that being time with him because then we're able to have the power and the strength by the Holy Spirit to do what he's asked us to do. We spend our time in the calm, trusting him so that we're ready. Psalm 46.10 is one of the most challenging scriptures I've ever memorized. Be still and know that I am God. For doers, that's a hard verse. We would rather that verse not be in there. Right? Be busy and know that I am God. That's how we would rewrite that. But the scriptures tell us, Come on, you can memorize this one, Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I'm God. That is a hard one, but it's so important that we spend time, we embrace this idea. And let me talk about a few things, and I'll be quick. But, but when, the, when we talk about being with Jesus, there's a number of things. Yes, it's reading the scriptures. 
In fact, we're starting this 40-day challenge today, right? And the hope is that you won't break the chain, that you'll get out, that go, go, go to grocery outlet today or someplace, get, you, get yourself a $2 ca- uh, calendar that's made of paper, this substance that they used to use to write things on. Get the paper, and I want you to do this today. I want you to mark off every day that you spend time just reading Jesus' words. And don't break the chain. Psychologists tell us that if we can keep that up and not break the chain, we can go through 40 days and spend time with Jesus. I'm telling you, it will make a huge difference in our lives. I'm going to do it. I want you to join me with that. And like, you might be thinking, well, i got to start that today. Here's the deal. What were Jesus' first recorded words? Anybody know? He was 12 years old. First recorded words he said. He was in the temple. His parents were looking for him. They came and found him. And then what does he say? Well, of course I'd be here. I'm about my father's business. Hey, you just spent time with Jesus today. In our midst, and you just heard his words. He said, I'm about my father's business. Are you about his business today? You see how that works? Time with Jesus. Don't break the chain. Go 40 days from today. It's going to end on February 18th. Go through that. Don't change that. And and what we're talking about is the realm of spiritual disciplines. That is, we are intentional about time and prayer. And that doesn't have to be really crazy four hours. It can be just a small time. You and the Lord. Maybe your prayer is, one of the ancient prayers of the early church was this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That is a prayer I say every day, sometimes multiple times a day. It centers me. It's not some weird mantra or some kind of weird meditative thing. I am spending time with Jesus because my focus is brought right there. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Scripture, prayer, fasting like I just mentioned, where you're pulling away from food or something that you enjoy for the sake of spiritual awakening, generosity. These are all spiritual disciplines. Rest, Sabbath. These are all part of our spiritual disciplines. That's how we spend time being with Jesus. Look, you spend the most, the the, the person that you spend the most time with is generally shaping for you. Whoever you spend the most time around are the people that kind of shape how you become. The scriptures tell us in Proverbs that if you want to be wise, you've got to walk with the wise. Well, the most wise person I can think to spend time with is Jesus. This week, make it a point to be with Jesus. Make it a point prioritize being with Jesus. Prioritize being with Him. Look, we invest in what we value, folks. It's the way it works. If you want something to grow, you got to feed it. We invest in what we value. So here's my only point today. Prioritize time being with Jesus. And this 40-day challenge is just a simple little thing to remember. Open the Gospels. Read some red letters. Take in some Jesus words. Meditate. Pray on it. Go about your day. I believe God is going to do something powerful when we prioritize time to be with him. Imagine what that would be like. Think about this. 40 days from now, we, all of us, had been spending time reading Jesus' words and beginning to put them in practice. Imagine after 40 days what kind of impact that could be on our family, our marriage, our work life, our community, when we're prioritizing being with Jesus by taking his words and putting them into practice. That's what this is all about. So glad to be on this journey with you. I want to pray here in a minute, but look, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said, yes, I want to be part of the Jesus team, I want to be in that. Everything you've talked about, Ben, I want to be part of that. If you've never said yes to Jesus, make him your Lord and Savior, you can do that today. We would love to pray with you, help you take a next step of faith. If you had questions about some of these spiritual disciplines I mentioned, and there are more, 
But these things like fasting and, and spending time in Scripture, love to help you with that. Please reach out. Let us know that we can help you take a next step. And let's now pause and pray and ask God to do a powerful thing these 40 days. Father, we come before you. You're powerful and mighty. Lord, we're so thankful for your love and faithfulness, your mercies that are new every morning. Lord, I pray for everybody that's, that's, that's in this gathering right now that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would draw us to your son, Jesus, that we would keep our eyes on him as our author and perfecter of faith and that we would take the words to heart and that we would be with him this weekend in this challenge. Father, we would spend time with your son, Jesus, and we know that that's going to resonate into our world. It's going to resonate into our families. It's going to resonate into our church, and it's going to change the world. So, Father, do your work through us as we lean into your word and put them into practice. In Jesus' name, amen.